You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashford. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with an Austin-based mama, crafter, blogger, and thriftaholic. You've seen her on the DIY Network, HDTV, YouTube, Instagram, just to name a few. Welcome to the show, Jennifer Perkins. Why, thank you for having me. What a fancy intro. I feel so special. (laughs) (laughs) I really held back. I was adding some other adjectives and things in there, and I just went, pull it in, rain it in, rain it in. (laughs) Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, we've been looking forward to this. Oh, I'm ready. I could, t- I could talk about thrifting all day long. Good. Because that's, uh, you know, <laughs> say, if you want this is what it is. <laughs> this is my jam. I'm ready. <laughs> if you want to, you know, talk to people about your special, special interests, just start a podcast. And then that's all that happens. <laughs> and then everybody's like, do you like this? And I'm like, of course I do. Of course I like that. <laughs> It's a niche. So yeah, I'm so excited to uh, talk to you today, not only because of your wonderful things that you create inside of your home, especially around the holidays, but it's like the whole thrifter journey, beginner of vintage is like, has my whole heart. It's how I grew up going to yard sales and thrifting and crafting. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that. So I was very excited to have somebody on the show that also has a very similar, you know, background in that. And I was, I was doing a little bit of research on you and starting off in a Victorian home as a child, like how much did that form your imagination around the world of vintage? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, at the time, it's funny, I would be, my sister and I would be like, we're never going to make our children go to a flea market. <laughs> like, we'll never do this to our kids. Like, literally, I just came back from my father-in-law's today, like in Corpus Christi, and my kids were like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, look at that. There's a thrift store. Bet they have a toilet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's as good as a McDonald's toilet. Like, they're both going to be fine. Go ahead. So um, it definitely, definitely did. Like, I mean, I just didn't have a choice. Like, that's what my parents did on the weekend. Yeah. Like, you know, they weren't going to hire a babysitter while they went to the flea market. It's like my sister and I went to the flea market and it was like, you know, here's a dollar. Good luck. You know, <laughs> and then they would do, you know, cruel stuff. Like, we're not going to give you a dollar unless you ask them what their best price is. I can remember like oh. one time. I know, like they were teaching us to wheel and deal young. One of my parents' favorite stories is my younger sister, like wanted a Barbie toilet and it was like a dime or a quarter or something at this flea market. And so she gave them the quarter and then, or no, she goes, the lady goes like, it's free. You can have it. And she starts crying and she's like, what are you crying about? And she's like, cause I wanted to get change back. Like, like, Oh, I want a change back, Dan. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, I didn't really want the Barbie toilet. I wanted the change back. But anyway, <laughs> oh yeah. God. So you know, from from the early early ages, being pushed around flea markets in a stroller, that's definitely impacted all the things. Yeah. Did your parents also do the thing of like you didn't wear anything fancy to the flea or like a garage sale? Oh God, yes. So okay. yes. So d- they still do it. Like I can remember, like 
we always like we had like a Cadillac, but then we also had this like beat up seventies like brown Ford, nice. and it was like we would be you better bet we were driving like the brown Ford up to all the flea markets or like you know like uh-huh. there would be a few antique shops we go to. My parents would be like, "Watch, they're gonna come out and they're gonna like look at the car and see what we're driving because nothing will have a price tag on it." And I uh-huh. still do this when I go out to the flea market like with my friends, and they're getting all like dressed up and looking fancy. I'm like what are you doing? Like you are breaking mm-hmm. code. Like you're <laughs> <to> look. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we don't have two pennies to rub together. Don't be getting dressed yes. up wearing like fancy turquoise jewelry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rain it mm-hmm. in people. <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to hear that because like, I just thought my grandmother was insane. Like yeah. she'd be like, you know, she wouldn't wear her wedding ring. She wouldn't wear any jewelry. Uh-uh. And my grandma always has jewelry on. And like now to this day, I'll be going into somewhere like an antique mall or something. And I'm like, oh, shit, I look too fancy. Right, see, but all, all like all time. my fancy is secondhand. <laughs> so it's like. I know. No, I do. I do the exact same thing. I mean, my dad used to do it, too. If we'd ever go buy like a new car, I can remember him being like, we got to drive like the junkiest car ever to the dealership to get the new car. You know what I mean? So they'll get mm-hmm. a really good deal. Like, I mean, I'm sure I'm somehow like putting these issues onto my kids, not knowing it, you know, <laughs> they'll do a podcast in 20 years about how I scarred them for yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Dress and then like our, garbage. All of our kids will have a guest episode because we're all crazy vintage hoarders. <laughs> and they'll just be like, so like growing up, did your mom just like bring home stuff and like tell you to be like, look at this cool thing for your room. She just wanted a place to put it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it was so dirty. She had to like scrape the dirt off of it before you could see it. Yeah, all the things. Like pirate with buried treasure. Yeah. Oh, I walked crazy. in last weekend. I went out to Round Top. They had the winter show, and I went out with some friends. And I came in, and uh, I walked in carrying this like four foot tall plaster giraffe. And my kid was like, "What are you going to do with that giraffe?" I was like, "I don't know. He might be our new centerpiece on the dining room table. <laughs> we'll find out. Like you'll know uh-huh. when I'm ready." Don't That's test true. Me. You exactly. don't know what you're going to do with them. You just know you need them. I mean, right? Like this exactly. terrifying ceramic clown behind me oh that yeah i mean you can't ever say no to terrifying ceramic clowns i mean they're o- i always pick up clown stuff oh, there's right. always a place for a clown no always no and i found <laughs> so back to the childhood because i'm so i'm just so also we had a ford a 70 ford it was rushed orange so i'm very happy that you also had a ford <laughs> that also helps um like growing up your parents i was watching an interview or more of like a uh, speaking thing that you did. And you were talking about how your parents were both psychologists. Mm-hmm. And then also you have a psych degree. I do. And so does my husband. Oh, I know. And now my oh. kid's like, I want to be a therapist when I grow up. I'm like, Oh my God, it's like, <laughs> it's hereditary. You think we would be a lot better, like a lot more well-adjusted than we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes a That's, good therapist. Yeah, that does. I think, I think that is the mark of a good therapist. So th- my only question relating to vintage with this is like growing up with vintage, mm-hmm. some people liken it back obviously to mental health stuff, but I'm like, your house seemed to be like covered in like that department and it was just pure like serotonin and dopamine or what? You know, it's kind of funny, like in hindsight, like speaking of it, like when I was little, we used to live in um, a town called Richardson. It's outside of Dallas. And my parents' first house was like super 70s, like all this like Milo Bauman and like, you know, sunken uh, living rooms and shag carpetings and all the things. And then when we moved into the Victorian house, like slowly but surely, they started kind of weaning out that furniture and putting it into their office or their private practice where they would see clients. Mm -hmm. And the you know, the 
our house house would have, you know, all the dark brown wood with like, you know, curly Q crap all over it. And as an adult, the funny thing is, is like what I've kept and what I have in my house is the real, like, um, like the Thayer Coggin, like the metal stuff that they were trying to get rid of when they moved into the seventies house and put it into my parents' office. Like somehow that's like a lot of that's like managed to end up in my house, like the stuff from their private practice. So who mm-hmm. knows how many like personal stories and epiphanies were made in these chairs that are now like <laughs> in my house, right. you know, how many yeah. issues were resolved in my living room furniture. Oh, right. How many anxious hands rolled over the, I mean, of the yard? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Saying that from experience, like play with the pipe cleaner. Uh, this is always something in my hand. Yeah, I just thought that was so interesting when I learned that fact today. I like pulled out my Google Doc and put it in my notes. And I was like, I got to bring that up. Like that. Right. Do you find that that rolls into what you do now, like creatively, and like kind of knowing what it does for people, or not really? Not so much, but I mean, not, I guess, literally for me, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I will say, you know, my mom used to always say like, but she would say it in terms of like, I'm going to go run out to Target. I'm going to go run out to Walmart. Like if it was at night, she'd be like, I'm going to go blow the stink off. And that's what she used to kind of call it. And I, and like, I think what she meant was like, she's just kind of going out there to like randomly roam the aisles and just kind of clear her head and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think now as an adult. I think that's kind of the way I look at thrifting sometimes. It's like, I don't even need, mm-hmm. I mean, do we ever need anything? But I may not have the intention to buy anything, but I'm just, I might just be going just to like look around and get an idea mm-hmm. or see something that inspires me to make a craft or, you know, it's kind of my thrifting is my own way of like blowing the stink off and kind of clearing my head. And, mm-hmm. you know, some yeah. people meditate, I thrift. So, yeah. yeah. I love that you said that too, because it is very much like thrifting. And antiquing and all of those things have always given me like serotonin and happiness and mm-hmm. like fond memories. So going to a thrift store or an antique store instantly and like same with a craft store always makes me feel good because I have so many happy things wrapped up mm-hmm. in all of that stuff. And then, you know, people be like, God, do you have a lot of stuff? And I'm like, yeah, but when I walk around my house, I'm always reminded of like the time I got it or how I felt or who mm-hmm. gave it to me. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I feel about all that mm-hmm. stuff. And especially like now that my mom has passed away, I mean, obviously my dad still lives in the same Victorian house and it's still chocked full of crap. You would not know mm-hmm. that my sister and I have taken tons of it, but just like having a lot of like my mom's things here and things that we got together. Like to me, I'm the same way. I get attached to things that way because it's not like, you know, maybe it's not so much that I'm attached to this specific trinket, but I'll remember like, mm-hmm. oh, and I was with so-and-so and we were on this trip to this flea market and we did this, you know, I'll the whole memory that's like wrapped up in that, that thing, yeah. that item. So yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah. And that's, I think why I lo- uh, so many people collect things oh, yeah. is that it's that right there. It's the, the meaning behind these items. And you like started out with some kick-ass collections. Like the fact that your dad was like, Hey, Jennifer, start collecting Bakelite. I know. Like, right? <laughs> and in high start getting that. I, you know, it's so funny. It's like just the other day, I mean, like last week I was looking through this like giant bucket of like costume jewelry I had. Cause I used my Mm -hmm. aunts, my great aunts in Illinois used to work at like their neighborhood, like old lady thrift store. And they'd give my sister and I all this vintage jewelry and we would like tear it up and like glue it to all these things. And I found my like Bakelite, like cherry necklace that I had like ripped cherries off and leaves off it. Cause I was little, you know, it's like, right. You don't know. And I'm just like, I'm going to rip this all up, make it into something else. And like, now I'm just like, Oh my God. Why didn't my parents like bitch slap me? And, I like, know why. And they just like, no, 
absolutely not. Where were your parenting skills, people? Like, God. (laughs) They were were doing the whole thing of like, this will be an important lesson for her later in life. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Now I just lay in bed at night. It's like that poor necklace sitting in my closet all torn up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've done that with vintage stuff before, like just totally like, and it's stupid, right? Cause you don't like assign value to something until you like, you know what it is. And I've had a box full of broken jewelry that I use for making putts houses. And there was what I was sifting through it one Christmas and I was like, Oh, son of a bitch. That's yeah. I know. Yeah, I know you look back and you, I do it all the time. Like even when mm-hmm. I did naughty secretary club, I'll look back at like some of the pieces I made and I'm just like, Boy, sure, I'm glad you made like $42 off that like necklace that if you <laughs> sold it before you tore it the F up, like you could have made like triple yeah. that on eBay or whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. oh man, that vintage regret. Yeah. Right? Live and learn, live and learn. You do, you live and learn. And I love that, like watching your collections progress, like you started out in like level 500 and then it just got better. Like you didn't have to, it didn't seem like you waded through some of the weird, like not weird, but like a uh, frivolous stuff that everybody collects. And I love that in high school, you chose to carry an Edith Collins purses. I did. I love them. I did. I love that. That was like, yeah, this is my choice. And the riot girl thing. Love every single bit of that. Yeah. That was kind of, well, you know, they all kind of look like that. Like wore those like little vintage you know, the leopard skin jackets and the little ringer mm. shirts and like an Enid Collins style bag. So, you know, it, it all blended in beautifully with my uh, thrifting for my wardrobe. And was this all still in that really small town in Texas? It was, but I'm like, McKinney is like 45 minutes from Dallas. And so, okay. you know, in there, I mean, sometimes like that small town is a blessing because like the thrift stores out there would be, I mean, amazing. You know, I got so much mm-hmm. good stuff at those thrift stores because people weren't coming out that far north or whatever. But yeah, a lot yeah. of it, a lot of it was there. But, you know, keep in mind, I was still like going to flea markets and around with like my parents and stuff. So I'd pick up even as an adult, like my sister and I, like we would literally go on vacation with our parents like well into our twenties until I started having kids in my thirties. and be like, we're going to go see grandma in Illinois. And we're going to like antique the whole way there. And we would be like, and we're going to strap ourselves into the back seat and come on with you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I would have been like, all right. We're gonna leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I may be 30, but I'm going on this road trip with my family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I love that this was like a family tradition for you guys, but I, I have to know, like, what is the Perkins family way of working through a thrift store or like a flea market? What do you guys do? You know, gosh, that's a good question. I, my dad, bless his heart, just did it to placate my mother. Like he just didn't have a choice. He was that guy that would like haul <laughs> ass through. He was done in like five minutes and he's sitting over there at whatever little coffee booth they have, mm-hmm. you know, just sitting over there like, with his one little, like either art deco thermometer or bake light radio he got like that was, and he was done. And then he patiently wait for us. And then, you know, where are those kind of people? Like, I do not like going to the flea market. Like I told you, I just went with a bunch of girls. I don't like going to the flea market with people that need to be right up on me. And they need to talk to me the whole time. I'm like, we're going to spread out and we're going to find each other again. Like we don't need to hold mm-hmm. hands through this whole scenario. Like, <laughs> and then also like a lot of times we, my sister and I, especially, and then when my mom we with her too, like we all know each other so well, we would get mm-hmm. to the end and be like, I know you saw blah, 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 blah. We'd be like, oh yeah, I saw it. Because like, we know what they're going to touch. One time I went to an antique mall with my sister years ago and she took, she, I guess she had like a little pad of paper in her purse and she started writing notes like, 
like I know you're looking at this and she was putting it on the things because she was ahead of me in the antique mall like, literally on like coats and stuff and like in like little dishes and I was like oh my god how do you know me and I like found every single one of the notes because she knew what I would be like it's like a bread trail for it your totally was. I mean if she was the witch in Hansel and Gretel I'd be dead oh right? my god <laughs> I would have totally gone for it but yeah, so- I'm just thinking about the one person that found the last note right. the first time in an antique store <laughs> and they see it. They're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Nope, I'm out. Yeah, so exactly. Oh my gosh. Someone's again. stalking me in the thrift store. They're going to keep <laughs> up, whatever. Yeah. We probably scarred somebody for life. I probably forgot one, but, but anyway, that's kind of how so. we do, you know, we do it. We do it in the road. Remember my mom used to want it sometimes like cut, like she'd see something like a couple hours over and I'd be like, no, 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 no. We do this in a system. Like, don't you dare cut across. <laughs> we'll lose track of what aisles we haven't done yet. Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. No doubling back. You got to do, exactly. do your pattern it's every time. Because if you don't, the vintage will know and it will leave. I mean, exactly. It's, it's like it's, it's like I'm a lottery ticket person or something, you know, and I have my like special rituals. Like I have to do like <laughs> if, if I go out of order, nothing's going to be there. It's going to be a bust. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when I go with my husband and my son. He does not follow the order of which I go through with her store and it stresses me out. Like he'll just be like, he'll start like in the bags and then he's moved to the dishware. And then all of a sudden he's in the yard stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm not following you. I will do my own path. And I'm the same way, like at a, at an estate sale or anything like that, like we will show up together. Mm -hmm. And if we're going through a thrift store, we'll stay by each other. Right. But if it's an estate sale or flea market, like you have my cell phone number. Yeah. And, and we will text like each other and be like, yeah. hey, there's this thing over here, FYI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly. no, yeah. When I go with my husband, I have been through the flea market three different times and he's still at like the first booth. See, the fact that you guys, your husbands will even go, like my husband is like, no. Mm-mm. I mean, Few and far between. Yeah. He, he learned a long time ago. He was just like, Mm-mm, this isn't my thing. And, you know, I, I very quickly within our relationship was like, your shit's got to go. Because my stuff coming in, like, <laughs> and we all know who has the better taste in this relationship. It's true. Oh, and he's not editing this video, so yeah, exactly. Me. He gets to have his little Burt Reynolds collection in the room I'm in, but mm-hmm. yeah, my husband will be like, I'll be like, no, nah, I got to get rid of that, or I'm, you know, I'm going to put this here or whatever. And he, uh, at, the things he picks up at the flea market are uh, bags of uh, screws and nails, utilitarian things. Uh, broken statues of Roman women okay. and uh, books, you know, which books are great. Broken but I'm statues like, that he's like, he doesn't care if they're broken or perfect. He'll just come wandering up <laughs> and he goes, look what I found. And I'm like, I didn't know this was your new thing. And he goes, well, I have those other two in my office. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So that's, he's found his thing. He's found his collection. That's what my mom used to say. Once you have three, it's a collection. Like it's done. You're committed. You're in. <laughs> And so he's, he's in, if he's got three, like it's full blown now. That's the oh, new, no. that's the new uh, motto of the, if you have three, it's a collection. <laughs> Let's talk about your sweet mama a little while. I understand she passed away a couple of years ago, but I want to honor her collections and her teachings that she gave to you here on a place that everybody will appreciate it. And I, I want to start with her book, Wall Pockets of the Past. Mm-hmm. 
When did she write that? Gosh, I don't, you know, I, don't, I have a copy, obviously, but like, I don't know, like maybe the late 80s or the 90s, like, because she used to write for like freelance for some of those like mm-hmm. old like collector magazines or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. then I don't know, I think maybe like a, a publisher contacted her about like um, writing the book about her collection. And then, you know, she reached out and had other collectors like send in pictures. I mean, it's like, an, it's an older book. It was before, you know, we had DSLR cameras and stuff and god bless her she was not the queen of photography but you know it was a feat for her <laughs> did she take all the pictures i think she took a lot of them but i think also like people that lived out of state you know they were taking mm-hmm. their own pictures and sending them in because you can tell some of them are in like different backgrounds and the lighting is all different you know it's not like mm-hmm. now when you write a craft book and it's like you have to send us everything and we're gonna have it right yeah. photographed or whatever so yeah, I went through before we started today and found one, and it's coming. It should be here. Oh, really? In the beginning of February. Oh, that's excited. so sweet. Oh, thank you. I love wall pockets. I'm a. I have like a chalkboard strawberry on my wall. They're some of my favorite things in like earliest kind of collections. Uh-huh. So I was, I was so excited to see that about her. And she was like your partner in crime, right? Like yeah. she was the one that was encouraging you and your sister, like you said, to mm-hmm. do all those things. What did her collecting look like? Oh, insane. Totally in <laughs> insane. Like if you, um, I did a couple videos. I don't know if they're still there, but I did a couple video tours when I was working for um, DIY network of their house. Mm-hmm. Like I did one inside the house and then I did one of her garden, but um, mm. I'm not sure if they're still up, you know, when they just got uh, the chip and Joanna Magnolia stuff, like now it's not DIY network anymore. It's Magnolia. Uh. And a lot of their content's gone. And so I don't know if those videos are still there, but if you look, you can find it. But she was definitely like, I have a lot of crap. We all have a lot of crap, but like my mom Mm -hmm. had like, she's that house still does has an insane amount of crap because like, since it was Victorian, you know, it would be like, you go into a room and then there's like super patterned wallpaper. And then there's a different pattern trim. And then she's painted the ceiling and then there's a medallion and then there's patterned, you know, and then there's patterned crazy Victorian drapes. And then she's got, you know, 15 wall pockets and all the tabletops are covered. And, you know, there's three rugs. It was just like, even for me who loves a lot of stuff, like Uh I would just be like, Freda, those walls are about to come in on me, lady. Like it is getting, <laughs> I mean, it all was beautifully curated and her house would be on like home tours and all the things. But I mean, mm-hmm. she was definitely a once is not enough kind of gal. Like the, the just need three thing did not work for her. She's like, I need like 35. I need all of them, <laughs> all the things like Majelica wall pocket. She went through a thing with those like anthropomorphic tomato wear. Um, oh, yeah. Gosh, like mm-hmm. certain plates. I mean, and then she'll get into things like, oh, I'm into mosaics. So I have to buy like every single plate ever at the thrift store, or I'm into making robots, all the vintage tins. Like, I can't tell you how many vintage, like my doll tins and stuff I have because she'd make them into like, I don't know, like menopausal robots or something. Like, <laughs> you know, she'd just buy like all the things. Like, oh. Uh. So. So you learned how to like perfect your maximalism yes. by watching yes. I learned, your mom. I learned from the master. So yes. Oh, that's so that's so sweet. <clears throat> that's how my kid's gonna feel about me. I'm gonna be like, right. Yeah, my mom is a minimalist because her mom is a maximalist, and then it just like repeated the cycle like, back to all these things. <laughs> my in-laws were over this morning, and they were here at Christmas, 
And uh, we're standing upstairs and my mother-in-law just kind of looking around and she goes, so did you get new stuff recently? And I was like, yeah, I did. So she's walking around like my house is a museum. And she's like, when did, where did you get this? Oh, I love this. I didn't know you liked these. I didn't. And I was just like standing there going like, my father-in-law was like, oh, you got another jar of buttons. And I was like, yeah, I did. I mean, I'm impressed that they noticed. My in-laws are just like, oh, Lord, what is our, what has our son done? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, they, I'm kidding. They love me, but you know, they're very, they're both very minimalist, you know? So mm-hmm. I think when they first met me and like, and saw my parents' house, like I remember the first time my husband's mom came to like our my parents' house was on like a home tour for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so like, not only is their house like a ton of stuff, like collectibles and antiques and stuff, but at Christmas, like, I mean, she makes my Christmas decorating look minimal. Like hers was, I mean, a lot of what I have, I inherited from hers, but when she uh-huh. passed, we got rid, we sent like two trucks stuffed full of Christmas decorations to a hospice center. And that's not what I took. I probably took two cars full. Like, oh my God. It was so crap. much stuff. She loves her stuff. What can I say? I, I mean, I get it. It's, I, I'm, I, I'm I totally shocked, feel her like pain. I am. Happened to me. It's like, hey, pot, Kel's calling. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't believe people have so much stuff. And then I'm like, oh, I, can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe people don't. How do you live with those blank walls? Like, I'm twitching, right? <laughs> yeah. I will like watch somebody's like Instagram stories or whatever, and I'll see their house. I'm like, God, a gallery wall would look really cool right there. I know. Or like, put some, put some color in your house. Like, throw some wallpaper on that bitch. Like, what <laughs> are you know. doing? I know. I feel like- I'm a firm believer in like, if it's like trending, you know, I'm like, I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of I it. I know. I know. I, I'm the same way. It's like, I could never, it's like me with like music when I was like 17. Like I'm still that, like, I still have the snobby roots. Like what? Everybody else likes it. Well, I'm not going to like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ever listen to that again. Exactly. Nirvana is dead to me now. Like, you know, <laughs> I can't let it go. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> when did you start? Like, so when did you move out of your house and start building your own like home collections of things? Was that college for you? Uh, yeah. Um, but really it's funny at my parents' house, I still had a pretty big, cause I went to community college there for a while and I collected like, um, what you want, like Murano glass. Like that's when I mm. first started collecting like Murano glass ashtrays, like Italian glass. Like, and oh, so okay. I would have all of that there. Um, I think I started collecting like Franciscan Starbursts before I moved out of my parents' house. Cause I knew like I wanted that. Like I didn't even register for China when I got married. I was like, dude, I already got like more China than anybody like ever needs. So yeah, I collected a bunch there, but then when I moved out and like got my first apartment, I started, you know, kind of branching out and getting more stuff. And then I didn't really get into the holiday stuff too much until I started having mm-hmm. kids, yeah. you know, it's like suddenly you get kids and you're like, it's my job as a mother to get festive. Really, it's just an excuse, but it's true. Right. I got to have the mad. The magic of Christmas is going to be alive in this house. Yeah. And it, it, it all lies on my shoulders and I need to thrift and make it happen for my kids. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where is the magic going to come from if you don't create it? Exactly. I always tell my husband yeah. that. If something happens to me, just promise you'll put out all the Christmas decorations. <laughs> it's the only thing I ask. <laughs> How many trees do you put out a year? Um. I mean, this year I probably had like nine full-size trees, but, um, you know, tons of like little table. I don't, you know, that's not counting yeah, like the table poppers, the three footers. Yeah. Like, and it was more when I was working for Treetopia, when I was their brand ambassador, you know, I was getting mm. paid to have a gazillion trees. 
Right. I mean, honestly, yeah. the reason I got paid to have a gazillion trees is because I had a gazillion trees already. And they were like, this, right. is, our, this is our person. But, you yeah. know, so nine when I'm not getting paid, when I'm getting paid, maybe 15 full-size trees. I don't know. Huh. I feel like corner. that's a really good balance. And my husband was getting annoyed with me because I had three. Oh, uh, well, yeah. just, you know, tell him to call my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set up a conference call. Well, it's funny. In his, I'm in his office right now in the double closet behind me. Like, if you open it, it's like a jack-in-the-box of, like, rainbow Christmas trees. They're going to poke your eye out. They're going to, like, jump out. Because I just, like, have to, like, slam the door shut. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, whoo! When you open the door, all the trees come flying out. Yeah, like, I mm-hmm. got to open it and run away so it doesn't fall on you. Well, yeah, because yeah, in so Texas, bad. you can't put them in the garage or the attic, the light-colored That's ones. True. It'll ruin yeah. them because they'll turn it color. Call. I am from the north. Let's yeah. expand upon this. Oh, it'll ruin it. Like, if you put, like, a white one or, like, that pastel pink one I have in the attic, it'll, like, I mean, it, I mean, think about it. If it's 110 outside, right. how hot is it in the attic? And it'll turn the plastic crazy colors like the white will turn like a yellowy the pink will get a real weird color so any of my trees that have light colors i have to keep downstairs the only trees i keep upstairs like the one green tree i have and then (laughs) i know and then like my black trees and stuff you know or gold like it's not going to jack up the gold but whoa anything or all my wreaths like i can't have all the fancy wreaths up there because the hot glue will melt oh yeah you know, yeah, you just don't like, and I have to think about that when I buy that stuff now, you know, I'm just like, yeah, how much space do I really have in the downstairs portion of my house? Like that needs to be climate right. controlled. Oh my, this is blowing. I was going to say, Sam, right? are you doing okay right now? <laughs> I am. I, uh, born and raised in the great potato state. So I, uh, you know, I don't do well in the heat and the humidity. I do not. So I would also die in your attic or your garage. <laughs> I mean, so. anybody would, but yeah, I mean, oh, you, so, you, have, you have to think about it in Texas. Like the heat will ki- heat kills holiday dreams. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to use that in their next campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Texas global warming. That's my, that's my PSA dreams. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's your vintage tip of the week. If you live somewhere hot, don't put your shit upstairs. Exactly. Yeah. It's temperature controlled storage unit for it. (laughs) That's what you have to do. Oh, that's so interesting. And I love that you put trees up for like Halloween too. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this is becoming a bigger trend because of you? I'm going to say it's your fault in the best way. I mean, I don't know that it's my fault, but I definitely have noticed it more in the last several years. You know, and one of the reasons I got started with it is because like your mask behind you, everybody, every year I get so many emails and or, you know, DMs about like, how do you display them? Like, how do you get them you know, because they're hard to stay to on the wall. Yeah. And they're yeah. fragile and they're weird. And it's like, that's why I like an artificial Christmas tree because you could just nestle them. You know, you don't have to hook them on. You don't have to do anything. They just sit in those mm-hmm. branches perfectly. So I kind mm-hmm. of started doing the trees for nothing else as a way to display all the masks because they don't ever sit right on a wall. They just look wonky and mm-hmm. ugly and make me twitch. Yeah, like they're levitating, like in a strong wind's going to knock them off. Yeah, and they just, what, you know, they're all like to the side and askew. Yes. I, I could never get Every it single one behind me is just leaning against its, uh, its neighbor. Like nothing is secure. <laughs> but I like it. And do I see some like Vaseline glass back there? Yes, yeah. that's all. It didn't show up well on uh, film here, but that's I a black light. I, oh, I could see it, girl, please. My sister, <laughs> she has like etages full of it. She's that girl that goes to the flea market with her black light, like, bam girl after my own heart i know <laughs> looming all like checking it all 
We send out to our uh, Patreon members, we send out blacklight keychains. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what she So does. they can be incognito at the thrift. Yeah, and I didn't have any of this shit before I started this podcast, and then I learned about it, and now I'm like, give it to me. Right, I know. I mean, it's like craft supplies. Once you find out, like, what blacklights work on that, like, you need all the, like, flea market do ads and accoutrements yeah. for shopping. Yeah, and that's, you know, really... Let's talk about crafting. Obviously, you're the craft queen of my heart, like the cornerstone of it. Let's talk about like, I mean, I feel like vintage and crafting like go hand in hand, right? Because if you can't find something that you want to buy, mm-hmm. either new or vintage, do you, I have the curse of, well, I'll just make it. Mm-hmm. No, I do too. Oh. And that's how I got started. You know, it's definitely how I got started with, um, with Naughty Secretary Club, with the jewelry, because, uh, which was kind of my first big business that I had, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, it was mainly because I just couldn't find like big tacky, obnoxious jewelry that I wanted, you know, so I was just, yeah. well, I'll just make it, you know, I'll take a jewelry class and figure out how to make it. And then it kind of got to the point, if it would sit still long enough, I'd figure out how to make it wearable. And, you know, and then that's just kind of carried on into, as I've gotten older, like any kind of like holiday decor, home decor, mm-hmm. you know, up to an extent, I'm not going to bust out the power tools. If it involves like me measuring something like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. sew. like, you know, I have my limits mm-hmm. where I'm just like, yeah. somebody else has got to do this. Like pretty much if it gets technical, I'm just like, Mm-mm, count me out. If I can't just like glue stuff to stuff, I'm over yeah. it. Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of how I operate. Like if it involves, like if I go to look up a pattern on something just to get ideas uh-huh. and I see like how much is involved, I'm just like, yeah, um, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. No. And that's exactly how I am. Like I always joke and say, I have crafty ADD, but I have like legit ADD, but I think that's part of it that I'm just like, if it takes too long, I'm just like, I just lose interest. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like I don't yeah. want to do it. same thing. Like if a movie's too long, if a book's too long, if a craft's too long, I'm kicking it to the curb before it's done. <laughs> yeah. Now it makes sense that I have that brain too. Cause I was diagnosed back in August with ADHD. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. They just thought it was a regular old run of the mill depression and anxiety. Turns out fun fact, she's a squirrel. And <laughs> right? it made so much sense of like, my mom is an avid sewer. My grandma is an avid sewer. And I could never commit because I'm just like, this is taking so fucking long. I just want uh-huh. a pair of overalls. I don't want to baste my stitches and then sew them. I and know. Then I and then the, that. and then the ironing. And I was just like, Oh my God, all the steps, like so I many. I so know. I just go to my mom and I'm just like, please make this for me. Oh yeah. No, same, same. Yeah. I got diagnosed when I was in high school and like my big epiphany that I've had recently I have turned into like, I never wanted to read. And then I found mm-hmm. audiobooks during the pandemic. And I found out that you can turn the speed up on books. It has been like a game changer because it works so great with my brain. My husband will yes. walk in and be like, oh my God, like how can you stand that? And I'm like, this is everything. Now that I figured out I can do it fast. I'm just like, yeah, give me all the books, all the books. Like, I, yeah, I don't have to wait for them to get to the point. They're exactly. Yeah. Just uh-huh. like, I, already. Tell me the story. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yes. Yeah. I was watching one of your speeches today and I turned the speed up and right? I'm like, I wonder if she'll think this is rude, but now that. It's no, God, no. Like do it. Like get it all in. The, like the more information. The meat, the meat of the subject. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I just love that there's people like you in the world that. You know, you want things to be fun and whimsical. And I think a lot of people think like, as you get older, right? Like I always thought growing up, like 
as I get older and I have my own house, like this is what it's going to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of the internet and being able to see stuff everywhere, like it's so comforting to know that there are people in the world like you and me that go through and just are like, I want to put the brightest things all on this wall. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just going to work. I think it's so beautiful and like really a testament of like always kind of being the weird kid in high school, like still just like having the eccentric shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I grew up getting teased and called like punky Brewster, rainbow bright. And like, I can remember like making my mom put my hair into like, it's funny. This like explains so much of why I'm like obsessed with all drag race. But like when I was little, like I loved culture club and boy, George was just convinced we were going to get married. And like, he was going to teach me all his makeup skills, but I would like make my mom put my hair into like little braids and I would wear the derby, you know, all those little, you know, weird things you did as a kid. Like it totally Mm -hmm. translates. I see it in people like us now as adults, like Mm -hmm. you were that weird kid too, weren't you? Like, you know, that never quite looked like everybody else or all the things. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And I find uh, each other online now and we're like fist bump. I know you. (laughs) I also have that weird. Thing. Yeah, mine, I loved drag queens. I still love drag queens. Oh, yeah. Um, we made a joke very early on in the episode that if uh, we were talking about a glazing technique called fat lava. Uh. <laughs> and I said, if I was a drag queen, that would be my it's name. A good like, Welcome to the stage, fat lava. And it'd come out with a red beehive and a glitter dress. And I, I mean, mean, it still could happen. It, it I, mean, totally don't, I mean, still, I mean. You're still young is, enough to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Don't do that at 85. I know. Have you home. have you guys ever seen? I watch. Uh, I mean, obviously, I watch Drag Race, but there's another one called. Um, what is it called? Dragula, and they're like, yes. dra- like yeah, like Sigourney Beaver. Look, I mean, that name <laughs> alone is like makes me so happy. But look, I mean, chicks can be. We can get in drag too if we want it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The closest thing I got to a drag name was when I played roller derby. Right. Yeah. Very. And like you get to pick a persona mm-hmm. and that was like the best part of it. Well, obviously and hitting people, but yeah, exactly. That is that was, a fun name. I did. I did always regret not doing roller derby just for that reason. Yeah. My name was Mantha tank. I like it. <laughs> and uh, to this day, if one of the girls I played with is somewhere that I am, I'll just hear tank. And I'm like, Somebody from roller derby. Where are they? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Same with all my friends that did derby. Like they're all, they all still call each other all the names. Oh, yeah, it sticks with you forever, <laughs> forever. And then there's some people that be like, well, you know this person, and they'll say their real name, and I'm like, and then they'll say their derby name, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that <laughs> way with like their craft companies. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you know? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. And then they'll be like, you know, there's this is their look business or that they used to have like, you know, back in the day. Like, remember they used to do like reggae craft here? And I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know who that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got that. I got that. I got that. <laughs> How did your collections change when you had small ones around? Um, not a ton, honestly. I can remember when my kids were little, everybody telling me, like, God, I can't believe your kids don't break all that stuff or reach up and touch it. But you know, mm-hmm. like I just would, you know, I mean, to an extent, obviously I had a chaperone it. And it's not like I put like the choking hazards on the bottom shelves. But <laughs> you know, you just supervise it and they don't. And it's kind of like, you know, my mom used to say like, you grew up in a Victorian house. It's not like you were pulling, you know, chandelier crystal, you know, urns off of tables, you know, it's like, you can make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, so that part changed a little bit, but, um, it's not like the style of anything. When my kids were little, I was still much more into like the mid-century tiki kitschy, 
Mm -hmm. Not that I'm not still into that. It's funny. My sister and I were just talking about how like, I kind of was like super kitsch. And then I was into like tiki stuff, which is also still kitsch. And then I moved into this house and I was like, this is going to be my grown up house. Like I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to take it down. Like it's still going to have my flair, but this is my big girl house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And now, like, I find myself coming, like, a back around, like, slowly but surely. I'm, I'm like, bringing three-foot-tall elephants in the room. Like, mm-hmm. this is still big girl. I'm going to make it work in the big girl house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm coming back around to the kit. I see it happening. <laughs> you say that as I look up at the our shop, our show mascot, the uh, fake rabbit for cat that sits on top of our okay. monitor. I know. And I look and I see behind you like little plastic kitty. Like I've, I've still got yeah. all those guys. Like they just like, they live in like mm-hmm. a bathroom now. Like they're not out like in the house house, but yeah. like slowly, but surely it's like. So I'm what not- does grown up Jennifer house look like? Like what is in your brain? What goes, this is grown up. <laughs> this is, you know, it's just, you know, it's a little bit less kitsch, a little more sophisticated, a little, like I still mm-hmm. totally love like, eclectic stuff you know I just find I don't put out I don't have quite as much let me put it to you this way I felt like my old house was kind of like a costume does that make sense like I felt like it oh, was yeah. very much a mid-century costume where like mm-hmm. the furniture was all that way and decorations mm-hmm. were all that way and everything was just this one way you know and mm-hmm. it all kind of it starts to look like a costume like it's a house on a set and then it's yeah. like at this house I just didn't want that as much I wanted it more like you know, my dad just gave me some like beautiful wooden, like lawyer bookcases. And in there is like Mm. some stupid kitschy, like neon plastic toys, but also like some outsider Uh art from like the twenties, you know, like my styles evolved more now to be, it has all the things I love. I wouldn't ever not have something because I thought it was too kitschy or not grown up, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I'm Mm -hmm. just trying to like meld all my Mm. things. It's hard for me sometimes to not be like, everything's got to be in a theme. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's like the hardest thing yeah. for me. Yeah. I that, can't. Like, crossover. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'll put it there and I'll stare at it. And I'm like, you work, but do you work? Exactly. Think you yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like I've got my kitschy room and then I've got my kind of uh, my, <laughs> mid, my, my mid-century room. And then I've got my eclectic room. Like I just, I get, yeah. I get hung up on those kind of goofy things. I need to, you know. I need to go back to my psychology degree and (laughs) talk through my issues of blending things. Well, and I feel like too, um, I like to have stuff that make people like give a second look. Yeah, me too. You know, I said, what the fuck is that? That's my favorite type of collectible. Mm -hmm, Me too. But I don't want like my whole house to have like sideshow vibes. Like I want it to look like at face value, it looks like a really pretty picture. And then when you get closer and you start to pick it apart, you're like, oh, there's some mm-hmm. interesting elements in that space. And I've, I've definitely like shifted the older I got, like the, my first spaces were very much like this room that I recorded, right? It was everything that I thought was pretty and cool and cute. And it would make people be like, oh, she has weird stuff. And now it's more of like, I want people, I guess, to see my collections and think that like, oh, this is a really great way to display X, Y, Z. It's something I wouldn't think of. And and another thing I've learned as I've gotten older is like, I don't have to have everything out at once. Like I can collect something and I don't have to have all 45 of them out on the same shelf all at one time where they're all competing Mm -hmm. for attention. And, you know, it just looks cluttered with so much shit. It's like, I get it. You've cornered the market on, I don't know, whatever these little trinkets. 
you know, I've gotten to the point where I can have like a shelf and maybe I'll have like my favorite tin out. And then the nice thing about after Christmas is since I empty all my shelves out, when I put mm-hmm. stuff back, maybe I'll put a different tin, you know, mm-hmm. or a different collection. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is like rotating. So things get kind yeah. of their little moment to shine rather than like, you know, mm-hmm. at my old house, it would be like, oh, well, if I collect these, well, I have to have all 50 of them right there all together. They can't be spread out around the house. Cause it right. doesn't look yeah. a collection, you know, like mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't groove with that as much anymore. now that I'm older. Yeah. I started that after I had my son because like a lot of my breakable stuff, we, our house was built in the fifties. So, but it was a fifties house without all the built-ins. Mm-hmm. So like the places that things go are very few and far between. And then losing those spaces when I had somebody that was like learning to walk and uh-huh. all of those things, it was like, okay. And I started doing that rotating of like, I pack stuff up in a bin that is vintage. It goes downstairs until the next season. And then I see it and I like, it's like revisiting it. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I forgot I had yeah. this or I had that. Yeah. And, and then I also thing in your own house. Wall. You're like, what? Yes. I forgot <laughs> I had this treasure. <laughs> I hate when I do it after the holiday though. And I see it and I'm like, ah, right. I bought you in August. I know. Last year. I know. Yeah. It's the worst. What are some tips you have for people that are like struggling with like, putting things together or decorating things like what's your like go-to design brain when you're putting stuff like that together, like for images, for social media, or even your own home. She was, that's a tricky, that's a tricky call. I usually start with whether it's like a vignette and even if it's for like, I don't know, August or it's for December, you know, if it's holiday or it's not holiday or it's a gallery Mm -hmm. wall, I usually start with like one big thing, you know, like one kind of focal point, like say my new three foot giraffe. Can you tell him it's that? But I'm just using him as an example, you know, and like maybe put him on a shelf and kind of build out the rest of the things that are going to go around it with that one weird, you know, like you were saying, like you mm-hmm. like that, like one thing that people are going to be like, why you got that big old giraffe right there? You know, I love to have that like weird, that one weird thing. And then maybe the rest of it doesn't look so weird, you know, mm-hmm. or it's still weird. I mean, I use that term yeah. very loosely because anybody off the street, like is going to come into my house and be like, all oh, your shit's weird. But for people like us that like no weird, it's probably not that weird to us, but yeah, um, right. you know, so I'll start with that one focal point piece or that one big piece of art and kind of build out the gallery wall or the vignette, mm-hmm. like around that one thing. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how yeah. I kind of do stuff too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just easier for me to do it that way. Yeah. And I like, I, if I, like I recently did, um, a full like gallery wall coming down my stairs. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the first time I ever laid all, everything out on the floor to like map it oh, out you before did, I yeah. just started throwing stuff up on the walls. Cause that's generally how I do it. It's just start and then like, oh, girl, no. every, there. every painting on my wall, you better bet there's like 17 holes behind it from where I was like, no, it needs to go down. And no, it yeah. needs to go down. like mm-hmm. so many holes. This is why yeah. my husband doesn't let me hang anything anymore. You just wait till he's gone. I know. And I'm just like, he's, he works mm-hmm. at home now. So I'm less like, oh, oh God, dumb COVID is ruining everything. Yeah, I know. I get away with shit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. One time yeah. I like, I called my sister. I went to the thrift store and I got this like floral couch and I was like, can you come over and help me get the couch in the house before Chris gets home from work? <laughs> She's like, is he not going to notice a couch? I was like, no, he won't notice a couch. Just help me get it in the house. <laughs> I swear that house, that couch was in the house for like a week and a half before he was like, mm-hmm. Is that couch new? And I was like, this old thing. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Do but- we have the same husband? Because 
Literally. Jill will come over usually every Sunday, right? When we record and I will have put new stuff out or hung new things up. And she goes, Oh my God, I really like that hair. And then Dustin doesn't hear it. My husband doesn't hear it. And then two weeks will go by and he'll go, has this picture always hung right here? And I go, no. And you would be terrible in identifying a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. So much. So I used to joke and say like my only like qualification, like for a husband, like I didn't care anything about it. As long as he had like zero opinion on home decor. Like you can just have no input, no opinion on it. Like my brother-in-law, like he fancies himself a decorator sometimes. And I'm just like, I am so sorry. You're going through that in your relationship that he wants to help you pick out hand towels or whatever. Like I was still does that every, every once in a while, my husband will try to do that and he'll suggest Mm -hmm. them. And I'm like, Ooh, do you really think that's a good idea? And he'll be like, you never let me do anything. I'm like, yeah, because your ideas suck. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that, sweetie. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason my uh, husband lost and had all of his decorating uh, privileges revoked when I was working and he was off work for a week. And I came home and I am a like tchotchke decorator, right? It's like groups of threes, fives, uh-huh. different heights. They're not all, you do not line everything up. Uh-uh, okay? no. mm-hmm. We had this beautiful built in bookcase fireplace in this house we lived in that was built in the 20s and uh, it was decorators dream right high spots low spots perfect depth to the shelves and I come home from work and he has dusted um, and everything yeah. is lined up on the mantle uh, like a goddamn like, kitsch boing. army <laughs> it, it is all of the tall stuff is in the back perfectly spaced lined up heights oh, man. and then the next thing and I'll, every, down to my like miniature ceramic frogs and I literally yeah, I do yeah. that. I like put my hand over my mouth and I walk in and he goes, do you see what I did? Like, I yeah, like, I do. Oh, clean. It's so clean. <laughs> um, and he's like, I really like the way it's laid out. And I was like, yeah, it's something. And he was like, do you not, do you not like it? And I was like, I hate it so much. Like, they don't go in a line. Yeah. I know. So, and he did it when I lived at my mom's house, he did the same thing, came home from beauty school and everything was lined up on the back of my coffee table, like my doily, my remotes, my little box. And I was just like, <sighs> well, you know, I, don't, and I think that's the other thing is people don't realize like you can have a ton of stuff, but it's like, it's the way you curate it and display it. Like you were saying in like odd numbered mm-hmm. groups and different heights and things like that, that really make the difference. Like I, there's been many a time when like my housekeepers have been coming over and then there was going to be a photo shoot. And I was like, this is going to sound really weird please don't dust anything. Like, don't pick it up. Don't mm. move it, you know, cause I got it just mm-hmm. how I want it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny at my parents' house, um, my dad's new girlfriend, uh, you know, she obviously feels like the walls are just coming in on her cause all the stuff. But part of the problem uh-huh. is I know is that my mom used to always like zhush all the collectibles into cute little groupings and everything looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, now that she's gone and, you know, years of a housekeeper and the girlfriend and the people moving stuff, everything looks like it's lined up like the kitsch army, you know? So of course it doesn't yeah. look good anymore. Mm-hmm. It just looks like, you know, a bunch of crap. And so it's just like, it does, it takes a special eye to be able to mm-hmm. make all that stuff all look good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people, maybe they don't collect in the vintage world, right? And they they would go to a flea market or a thrift store and they're overwhelmed, right? Because mm-hmm. they have never done that thing where you zone in on something and you're like, I know exactly where that would go at my house, mm-hmm. where it will look nice. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like the wish and not a prayer and you buy some four foot tall giraffe and you're like, I'll make it work. Exactly. We'll yeah. And that's We're usually... 
that's usually how I am now. I've got so much stuff that it's just like, if it's like weird and I know I'm going to go home and like dream about it and wish I'd bought it. Like, yes. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I'll just make it work. I'll just, even if he has to live in my closet for a little bit, like I'll find him a home. Yeah. It's true. That's what happened in my basement. I actually, today I had the score of the century on Facebook for storage. Oh. I scored the big plastic, heavy duty shelves. Mm-hmm. They're three feet wide, six feet tall for two of them for 60 bucks. Oh, that's good. Nice. Was, like for like bins and stuff. Yeah. They will oh. fit like bins and Christmas stuff and oh, like leftover. Nice. So I feel pretty good about that. It'll pull a lot of uh, vintage out of my basement that has just kind of been set there. Yeah. Cause I only, I'm in the basement like once or twice a week because I, my son does not have access to the basement because there's too much stuff down here. Yeah. It's too much. I could ask you a million more questions about your collection. I didn't get into a lot of your stuff because you have documented it so well. And I want our listeners to have the marvelous journey of scrolling through your Instagram to see all of the beautiful all the things stuff. that you have. Yeah. Cause it, I, when you were putting your holiday stuff away recently, I was just like, look at all this in these bins. <laughs> I was like, I was like, when, whenever you have an estate sale or your kids have an estate sale of your stuff, whenever that happens. Right. I want it to all go to a good home. So oh God. there's going to be like 10 people outside that are like lined up first in line. Headed straight for, <laughs> for the Halloween. Sure. I know these are the kind of things I think of. Like, what if one day I die? Like, who do I want to have on my like my holiday decor? My precious babies. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. My kids are like, no, mm-mm, we're good, right? I don't. Yeah, yeah mine are just gonna be like, toss it. We don't I want know. any of it. I know. That's how I. Yeah, yeah. My kids. Yeah, my sons would be like, uh, no. That's how I justify my collecting. I was like, one day this is gonna be somebody's dream estate sale. Exactly. I'm just doing it for that stranger, that one person. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get into uh, the Friendship Ruiner estate sale, Jennifer, where can our listeners find you? I mean, they could Google it, but like, let's help them out. Uh, well, obviously I have jenniferperkins.com, which I don't update near enough. My main platform <laughs> is Instagram, which is Jennifer mm-hmm. Perkins. Um, I have, I mean, if you Google me, like you said, you can find a lot of the content that I've done for HGTV mm-hmm. and DIY and, uh, mm-hmm. you can see I've done home tours for those places as well as like house and, uh, mm-hmm. apartment therapy several times. You, even Etsy's done a home tour. You can even see the old house mm-hmm. that I'm talking about. It's been on a few home tours. And then, um, most recently you can go check me out on Amazon. If you search my name, I have a new oh. kids craft book coming out. This spring, oh, and then I'm about to write fun. a fourth one. Yeah. So. <gasps> oh now I'm doing kitschy crafts for kids. I can't wait to order that. Oh. I have a four-year-old. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's some fun stuff in it. I mean, there's stuff in there that I'd make as an adult. Obviously, I made it, but, <sighs> you know. I can't wait to, um, I found a box of chenille pipe cleaners at a garage sale. Ooh. I can't wait to make some stuff with those. <laughs> I can, it's an obscene amount. It's not a small amount. It's a full ass box. Oh, I love it. You can make those little like cute people, like little mm-hmm. bunnies or Valentine people. Mm-hmm. And I want to make, there's like patterns you can find online for bugs and like with googly eyes. Oh, like yeah, a whole so little tree of them. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Spraying mantises <laughs> everywhere. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's happening. So I'm doing after this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> For, and of course, we'll have everything for Jennifer's on our website, thebalfellprophecies.com, as well as tagged uh, in our main space, which is also Instagram. But it is now time for my favorite part of the show, the estate sale walkthrough. Oh, man, I've been dreading this one all week because I just, I just know. 
Um, I also started myself a new collection with this week's episode. So I was like writing it. I was like, you dumb bitch. Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> so every week on the Mothball Prophecies, we do an imaginary estate sale walkthrough. During that estate sale, it is formed around our guests, favorite things, special interests, holy grails, you name it. I have tried to include it while keeping the obvious ones out of it. Each scenario will have one to three or two to three items listed. You must pick one from the list. If you think it's your favorite color, it's your favorite color. If it's the one you've been after, it most definitely is that one. Prices are also exactly what you would want them to be. If you need to find a loophole, you are responsible for finding it yourself. We will not help you cheat. All right. I'm scared. You oh. should be really. <laughs> so today's the States I'll walk through. We are going to a farmhouse tucked away on a sleepy ranch in the Texas flatlands. The house has been in the family for over a hundred years and they are cleaning out some of the collections that time has accumulated. We come up onto the wraparound porch to the tables of costume jewelry. Do you choose the gallon size Ziploc bag of enamel flower brooches or the gallon size bag of enamel insect brooches? Jennifer, since you are our guest, we will start with you. What are you picking? Flower pins. Definitely flower pins. Quick. Yeah. I thought I had you at bugs. Mm-mm. Jill? Flowers. Okay, we all know. Yeah, I was going to say it's that. Yeah. Bugs. Bugs. <laughs> I don't even think bugs. I've seen an enamel bug pin. Now i got to Google it. My grandma had a few. That's where it comes from, the bug brooch thing for me. Uh, mm. Also, if they don't exist, they exist in the estates I'll walk through. Oh, That's it. what okay. I'm saying. Next, we make our way into the kitchen and stacked along the counter are a large collection of antique and vintage match strikers. Up first is a match striker that could be a mouse or a vole. It's end up to your interpretation. His head flips open, you get a match out, and you strike it on his belly. The other one is a Victorian ceramic match striker with roses. Okay, this one's a little more Rosevilly, maybe. Mm -hmm. Jennifer? Um, definitely the like weird rodent guy. And he actually exists. He's for sale on Etsy right now. The link is on our website. Okay. And I almost (laughs) justified the four after pay payments to get it. (laughs) Almost. But 30, 30 times four is too much for a brass mouse. Lord. Lord. Too much. All right. Last one. We go to our three favorite places. This is not in the summertime. We're going up to the attic. Okay. The light is dim, so we have the flashlights on our phones up, and we are ignoring the cobwebs, okay? We start to dig underneath the eave. We see this beautiful folk art carousel with 11 individual figures that are all hand-carved and hand-painted atop their animals. Next is also a piece of folk art. It is a piece of Berlin ware, and it is a folded, like a tinware box for carrying papers. And it has the beautiful full cart paintings on the front, a nice handle. Which one are you choosing? Jennifer. The tramp art sounds kitschier or the, mm-hmm. the carousel. Definitely. Mm-hmm. echo carousel. I have a weird thing for like carousels anyway. Whoa. See, that's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. It happens every time. <laughs> Jill. Um, shit. I knew you're going to catch me on one of these. You're welcome. Uh, I think, oh, uh, the paper holder. The holder? Okay. Now, I've never done this before, but I want your reactions. I'm going to show you the carousel. Okay. okay. This is exciting. All right. 
Okay, here we go. Do you see it here? Uh, oh, it is okay. cute. All hand done. Look at their faces. Oh. I mean, so that's the carousel. Uh-huh. Okay, here is. Let me see. Is this the right link? I think that's the mouse. So you didn't say people. I thought it was going to be animals. I was, well, I was try- like, I'm trying to not neighbors. be too specific. Oh, I made a good choice. choice. I mean, you did yeah, make a good choice. See, I would change my mind now. All right. See, this is why we don't show the pictures. Change your mind. Because this is beautiful. I will post pictures of this, but it is a like quintessential folk art painted tin holder, lunchbox almost shape. And each mm-hmm. side is painted, has beautiful colors. It's in great shape. I think this See, is both like, of these pieces have like the people who did both of these have too much talent for me. I like ones that like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a kid could have also done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, same, talent sure. is very same. questionable. Those look like they were pro jobs, but yeah. you know, beautiful. But <laughs> I know I like tramp arts on my list of things, but it's on my lust list of things that I want to find. Uh, it's expensive. I have to raise the bar. Otherwise I'd just be bringing home all the things like I know. I guess it's, true. it's the plight yeah. that we face. <laughs> exactly. Bless our hearts. Bless our hearts. I don't see. This is the problem. I say it and I know that it doesn't mean things here in the North. And then when I hear somebody from the South say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm ding dong. <laughs> I said it to somebody from the South once. Oh, bless your heart. And then the way she looked at me, I was like, no, not like that. No, not in the, not in the, you're dumb way. Just exactly. like, I'm sorry that happened to you way. <laughs> Jennifer, this was truly a delight. I am so glad that we were able to get you on to sit down and hear about all of the ways that Jennifer Perkins ticks. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've had I've had fun. I'm like, is it over already? Let's keep talking. Okay. <laughs> I know. That's how I know. Happy, that's how most of these go. And we're like, oh okay. I would I had to abide by the time schedule because football's on and Jill's team is playing. Oh. Well then Jill, go cheer. Not that, that's why we're separate today, not because of COVID. I know. It's because <laughs> I can football. get to the game watching sooner. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer. This was just a treat. Thank this you so was much. amazing. Hooray. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you. As always, if you want to hear more about the things we talked about today, stick around for this week's Curio Corner. You know, there have been several interviews that we have done, guests we have sat down with. That were like at the top of my list. Like these are the people I want to sit down with and like pick their brain. And every time I put like somebody on that list, I'm constantly like, "Ah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just, just dream about it. And, uh, almost all of them have happened. So, yeah. So that's my message to you. Maybe like calm it down just a tiny bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, No, not a lot. Take heed. Just, I mean, just a little, like hard to comment when people say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, of course we're talking about Jennifer Perkins, the, the episode you just listened to. And uh, I am a little crafty baby at the base of my existence. That is what I grew up doing. My mom is a crafter. My grandma is a very talented sewer and jewelry maker. So it's just yeah. something. And I just enjoy buying said crafters stuff because yes. I am not. And that's okay. And this I'm is- in awe of you <laughs> and her. I just was like, I just don't, I'm too much of a perfectionist. That's my issue. Yeah. You have to be a little unhinged to like throw something together. No, and yeah, I don't. No. 
like that was just always what we did. Like I had a bin, like a Rubbermaid tote for crafting at like four years old, my own hot glue gun, my own sewing machine and the hot glue gun had, there was a traumatic experience wrapped around that. Uh, ask how that went for you. I don't know if I was like four or five. I don't know the age exactly, but I was at the fireplace on the hearth, which was tile. And I had, I think it was Christmas time. And I had my little hot glue gun and a bunch of wood blocks. Right. And I was just gluing and painting and glittering, you know, as you do. And I remember specifically kneeling on the tip of the hot glue gun and it leaving like a hole in my, my skin. Sorry, tr- probably should have done like a trigger warning before that story. But, and then I remember getting up and like telling my mom, like, um, I kneeled on the hot glue gun and she was just like, oh, like she was obviously felt bad, but she was like, oh, dang it. That was probably not a good idea. <laughs> if it was my parents, my mom, would, did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. I did not. And uh, still to this day, have some hot glue war wounds. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is with my family, but as they see the glue coming out of the hot glue gun, they immediately want to touch it. Yeah, it's tempting. And like, if you're like a crafter, you've learned the like roll it trick, you know, or you, and I'm doing it with my hand oh, yeah, right yeah. now. You get it and you roll it like a booger because you got to stop the <laughs> stop the burn, quit the burn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was I was so excited to talk to her not only about like li- the literal crafting legacy she has created, but, you know, I was absolutely touched to hear about her mom, Freda Perkins, and mm-hmm. the influence that she had over her daughters in this crafting thing. And I had found some pictures, like Jennifer said, you can find some images of her mother's home. And it is incredible. Like, it is a maximalist dream of this pink Victorian house. And everywhere from, like, the inside of the house to the outside of the house to the gardens to her greenhouse to everything is so, like, beautifully kitschy and, like, curated. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the house I want, but also that's the house I don't want. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, I just want somebody to come decorate it like that, like how she had it for Christmas. Yeah. I want somebody to come do that and then come take it all away and clean my house after they leave. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I... And I mean, it's truly like the stuff and the way she crafted things, like looking at stuff like she had, you know, those little like plastic Santa heads you can find sometimes that were like toothpicks. Yes, yes. She had those set on top of vintage, like shiny bright ornaments. I know. And I just see, this is how I do. I know I do not have a crafter brain because I would never have done that. No. And I was, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a, I really like that idea. And I ordered her book the wall pocket book and that should be here tomorrow it's not here yet and i'm very excited to look it over because it's out of print like i bought it off of thrift books and i'm very excited and i I, you know i have to thank freda and jennifer because i have heard of majolica majolica how i'm not saying it right um porcelain pottery before but i had never seen it and freda's collection she had this entire Victorian curio case 
with like these heads that were made out of this and her Mm -hmm. collection of the wall pockets are stunning. So I wanted to do just a little brief history on um, what is Majalika. So now I've heard of it, but I had never seen it. And I kind of had a different image of what it was in my head. Right. And I, I, I want to say my grandma's had one or something like that. I can't remember because I didn't know what it is. And then I saw a picture of them and then I was like, Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I have seen those before. Yeah. So Majulika is a type of earthenware pottery, not porcelain. And Jennifer's mom, Freda had a large collection of not only other pottery of it. She had a bunch of like heads and um, busts and animal decanters but the wall pocket collection that she had. So Majolica was, they think the origins come, like the name comes from Mallorca, Spain. And interesting fact, in the 18th century is when they added, or the 17th century is when they added the letter J to the English alphabet. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why they added it to the name though. I I don't know. Maybe the, I don't, I'm not a linguist. So I don't know, like if I-O made Damn a it, J Sam. sound. I can't no, know nowhere everything. in that brain. You can't know that tidbit for no, me. Somebody said something to me today and I was like, not in my rabbit hole wheelhouse. I can't help you with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Um, so this was in like the Victorian mid to late 19th century type of pottery known as Majolica made by a more simple process, paint and fire, whereby colored lead silicate glazes were applied directly to the unfired clay mold and the typically relief molded, right? Resulting in these brightly colored hand uh, like hard wearing inexpensive wares this type of majolica was introduced to the public in 1851 um, and it was later widely copied and mass produced minton and co who developed the colored lead glaze also developed and exhibited um, a tin glazed product in imitation of the italian majolica so it was copied and pasted many 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 times um so the Italian word is M-A-I-O-L-I-C-A. Okay. So this is a tin glazed pottery decorated in colors on a white background. All right. And they were starting making these um, by the late 15th century in multiple locations, mainly in Northern and Central Italy, which is where I think my idea of what it looked like came from was from this instance. Yeah. So. Um, of course, this next article comes from a little bit of Marthy Stewie, which, you know, if she's posting about it, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. It just, the price just went up like 10 times. Yes. So that other article was from Wikipedia, kind of giving the base knowledge of it. Um, and this is here we have coming from the, the madam herself. So it's a richly colored heavyweight clay pottery and it's coated with an enamel and it's ornamented with paints and it's finely, finely glazed, like hand painted details all over it. The name is likely derived from the Spanish island of Mallorca, like I said, and it is, um, it's where the first of these pieces were made. Later, they were crafted in Italy and France, um, where they were called uh, Fienza and or Fienz respectively, um, after the Italian city of Fienza, famous for its pottery. Um, the stuff that you can get in Majolica ranges from, you can get salt cellars, you can get um, baskets, you can get garden seats, 
You can have plates, pitchers, anything you would see in a kitchen. And the motifs that decorated Majalika were like water lilies and ducks, herons, reeds, twigs, bows, shoots. Um, there was some in Freda's collection that were animal decanters. She also has incredible busts and different types of pieces that were very Victorian and very much kind of over the top. Um, when you're determining the value of Majolica, especially those that are English-made pieces manufactured by Wedgwood, Minton, oh. and George and Jones, so those were companies that some companies that made Majolica from 1815 and 1900, they are so collectible in the United States and Britain. Um, they're also very pricey. A pair of Minton, Minton garden seats um, can bring as much as sixty thousand dollars U.S. dollars today. What? Yeah. Thankfully, uh, 19th century French, German, Austrian, and American Majolica is often considered less expensive, which is because it was this like copy and paste method, right? Everybody was recreating these glazing techniques and aesthetics. Right. Isn't that very interesting? Um, yes. And it seems Way like more than I thought. People don't really care if there's damage or crazing or cracks, um, but structural damage uh, kind of gets in the way of some of the like value um so in the realm of like american collecting of plates and pitchers many of which can be found for like 250 dollars or less which that's a lot um and a lot of like some people consider it like a more of a folk art this type of pottery in america versus the ones that were made overseas hmm. and there is a majolica international society based in new york city um, and they speculate that most collectors are passionate about like the detailed works of it versus like, you know, if somebody's like, oh, this is very valuable. It's because of what it looks like. They're beautiful. They're useful. A lot of people display their pieces, but I think some people also use them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, isn't that, I just, with a little brief history of that and even the stuff that, you know, it's so old. It still looks so beautiful and almost like it's from the mid century. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that there's so much, many different styles and types and yeah, all that. And so I'm like, well, now I have to get, you know, get me some of that. <laughs> and now it is on your radar. It's one of those things now where I think about all the estate sales I've been to and like, oh. Every how time. many pieces I just didn't pay attention to because I don't pay attention really to pottery. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll pick pieces up if it like planners and stuff like that, but not like mm -hmm. avidly look. Um, but I, so I know I've missed some of those pieces, but some of the pieces I know I for sure have passed on is the Murano glass. Yeah. Um, so I found this article in invaluable.com. Um, so what is Murano glass? Murano glass refers to glass objects manufactured on the island of Murano, part of the network of islands in the Venetian lagoon. For centuries, the glassmakers across Italy flocked to Venice, a city with a port that made it keys, a key center for trade with Ven or when Venice was part of the Byzantine Empire. Until the late Byzantine Empire, the world's leading glass blowers were primarily located in Egypt and Syria. Whoa. Yeah. Thanks to the reach of the empire, knowledge was shared throughout the region, and the glassmakers of Venice honed their skills thanks to these master craftsmen. 
So this then it goes into the kind of the brief history of it. Um, so in the 14th century, the Wall Lagoon city of Venice became an independent state as glassmaker as glassmaking in the area became more established. Glassmakers from mainland flocked to the city to refine refine their craft and set up workshops. The city, however, became particularly fire prone with its potent mix of buildings with straw roofs and industries that um, relied on intense heat. Mm. Among the worst disasters to fall upon the city was the Great Fire of Venice in 1105, which damaged 23 neighborhoods and destroyed 23 churches. Whoa. By, ne- or by 1291, the sheer number of furnaces contained within the city was threatening the livelihood of Venetians. So the Senate, the governing body of the Republic of Venice at the time, ordered the entire glassmaking industry to move to the islands of Murano to prevent and contain future urban destruction. Wow. <laughs> She's just sitting also- around me like, shit. We fucked up. City's on fire. Also, surprising for a city that's in water. Right. You know? Seems like a real juxtaposition there. (laughs) It's like they're staring at the water and then staring at the fire. Water, staring at the fire. Now what? Shit. Get in the boat. So it goes on to like, you're going, like, it's, I mean, it started in the 12th century. Yeah. Essentially. So it just works its way down. So with the modern Murano glass, by the 20th century, Venetian glassmakers began to work collaborating with artists and designers, elevating glassmaking as an art form. In the 1980s, there was an influx of glassmakers creating unique art glass, as well as artists training in glassmaking specifically. As a result, Murano is now a global destination riff with cultural and artistic significance. Mm. There are many different types of Murano class depending on the techniques you used by the glass blowers. And so it gives five or six. Wow. So Cristiano glass was the first colorless example of Venetian glass distinct because others would typically bear a green or yellow tinge think like gasoline glass. Mm-hmm. The transparent properties of the Cristillo glass were achieved by mixing glass with magne- manganese, oh. a chemical element often found in stainless steel. This was pivotal. This was a pivotal discovery because it also offered greater malleability, which meant that it could be blown into delicate base vessels with thin walls. Its discovery in mid 14th century is attributed to the art or the Italian glass artist Angelo Boravari. I totally chopped you. Wow. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> um, so the next one is a smalto glass. Um, and now it's a enameled glass. Enameling was a popular way of making durable objects, including Murano glass jewelry and small pieces of decorative art. Until the 19th century, each craftsman or workshop had a propriety uh, recipe for their own enamel. Later industries, innovation made it easy to produce enameled items on the industrial scale and was applied to many household items. And then it just, I mean, there is like several different types. This one was really um, super fascinating to me. 
it's called the Milfore glass. Oh, Milfori glass or Milfori is a multicolored glass that looks as though it's comp- comprised of scores of flowers. Hence the name Milfori, which literally translates to a thousand flowers. Milfori mm-hmm. glass is also known as Murini which is derived from the name Murano. Although Milfori glass is closely associated with Murano's um, illustrious history of glassmaking, the technique originally hails from the Venetians. Oh, the Venetians. I was like, oh. Reading Milfori is an intense and complex process, beginning with Morini's or canes of glass, with a composition akin to rock candy, they are made up of many different colors that create patterns when cut in, in the cross sections. Oh, I always wanted to eat it. I know. It like literally looks like those candies and uh-huh. you just want to like lick it. Yeah. I just want to eat it. <laughs> okay. So then it also tells you how to identify Murano glass. The legacy, the legacy of Murano glasses in the market has been threatened in recent years by an influx of imitation glass with some very con- convincing examples. It is established that counterfeit glass makes up over 40% of the market for Murano glass. What? That's 40%. A- 40%. Shit. Yep. Duped again. I know. I have Murano glass. <laughs> I got this one's expensive. No, sir, that is actually counterfeit. It's worth 50 cents. From Ohio, sir. It's not. (laughs) Sorry. Do you see this right here? No. Um, It can require a specialist to correctly identify Murano produced before 1980. But after that date, Murano introduced a certification system. Consequently, any items made or sold in the last 40 years should be accompanied by a certificate of authenticity. So be sure to ask about documentation for modern examples when buying from a dealer or an auction house, which I think is a super great tip because how many times on the marketplace you'll find something and it'll just say that and then you'll just be like, sweet. Got it. And then you're like, hey, Becky, where's this? Where's the certification for this? Yeah. My dude. Like, um, I'm not spending that amount unless I have the job. Not about to be duped by you. Facebook marketplace. Not today. Not Not today, today. Satan. Not today, Satan. Get out of here. Get out of here. You know, as, as you were recanting this Marana glass thing, I was like, I had a red glass ashtray from my grandmother. I don't know where it is. It has to be in this house, but I also may very well have gotten rid of it. And if it's from my grandmother, it's probably, it's probably Murano. It's, it's more than likely Murano, mm-hmm. knowing your grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. My mother-in-law collects uh, Murano glass, actually. Oh, really? So she has a big collection. I actually just looked at, you know, the ashtray that's down here and the, like the vintage oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, we have to look it up and see what it is. I don't have a certificate for it, so sorry. I was going to say, unless you have the certificate, I'm not going to believe you. Not going to look at it? No. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like 
just felt so inspired after speaking with her. And it was so fun. And during her interview, there's no video for it because her video, it was like, uh, like an eight bit video game. Like it was just the internet on Sunday was crazy for some reason. Her audio came in crystal clear, but the video was, but even with that, it felt like we were sitting down with an old friend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the other thing. Like both of us were so like very nervous before the interview as we are Mm -hmm. with like 99% of them. Yeah. But she just like jumped in the conversation. We just all had like a great time. And it was, I mean, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was such a fun, it was just so fun to sit down and talk to her. And I can't wait to like dig my teeth in and my eyeballs into that craft book that she's coming out. The Kitch for Kids craft. Oh, I know. I can't wait to get a craft from you from that book. I'm excited to craft. I like to craft, you know, and it's kind of, it's one of those things that gets put on the back burner and I need to bring it, I need to bring it back out. Just spend some mindful crafting time, you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah. That was all we had today for Miss Jennifer Perkins. Please, I hope while you were listening, you went and looked her up on Instagram at Jennifer Perkins. She is a just absolute smorgasbord of inspiration oh i know it's so great and she's darling and i yeah was just smitten she has so jennifer perkins on instagram jennifer perkins art um for her art stuff is over there you can also go to her website jenniferperkins.com search her on google youtube really you could find her anywhere watch for the pre-launch of that book and while you're there, check out our stuff on Instagram, the Mothball Prophecies original. You can find everything we're doing during the week. That is where we post the most frequent updates. If you want a little bit more look behind the scenes, be sure to check out our Patreon under the name, the Mothball Prophecies. We have a tier for everybody. We've been posting a new video series called What the Thrift, where Jill and I talk about the things we won and lost out on during the week. And you get to see our beautiful faces as we... Fuck up curio corners and episodes. So, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) More like, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a beautiful week. It's been busy. Coming into January has been a little like sliding into home base on a sprained ankle. And the entire team is waiting for you to win. (laughs) A little bit for me. That's how it feels for me. Wow. (laughs) I blinked and it was February. Yeah, I know. That's how I was. I was right in January and I was like, no, we don't start January again. It's now February. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think the groundhog didn't see its shadow today. So uh, the groundhog died. Oh, I know. I wasn't going to bring it up because that seems like a really fun. I am omen. because everybody keeps telling me there's six more weeks to winter. And I'm like, there was no groundhog. Guys. Yeah. Does that cancel it out if the groundhog dies? Also, yes, there is six more win- weeks of winter because spring doesn't happen until March. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. This is the logical brain <laughs> of Jill. But I just want to plant things in my garden. I'm sorry, Sam. However, we live in Idaho and that's not going to happen anytime soon, regardless of what the groundhogs are. I know. I'm so (laughs) sad right now. If you can see my face. That's why I just drink a lot of wine. Well, I'm not going to let you come in my warm greenhouse when you come to my house, okay? I'm growing shit for your house this year, Jill. (laughs) I'm not, okay? Please, I'm sorry. All right. I forgive you. Anyways. (laughs) 
there's our marital fight. Thank you so much for listening this week. We really appreciate all of you tuning in every week and sharing in the wonderful world of vintage and antiques and the stories behind them. We want to thank our team behind the scenes, Gray, for literally putting up with us every week and making us sound like we know what we're doing. And to Spellcheck, who always makes this look so very good on paper. And handles my uh, midnight going, what, can you make this sound good? Bang. Yeah. <laughs> As always, I hope you find some really good shit this week. And I hope you're looking under those tables. Do better. Bye. See ya.